the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, all right, all right. I'm so glad to be with you tonight. Um, It is pretty much dark, so I can say tonight, even though it's 5 o'clock on the Monday edition of Lifeline, happens to be November 23rd, just a couple of days out, a couple of days out, your host for our program, Jesse Gistan. Glad to be with you. I hope you're glad to be with me as well. Love to hear from brand new callers, brand new listeners, et cetera, et cetera. This is uh, KFAX 1100 AM Lifeline, where we come to you with news and commentary about a bunch of things all week long. Myself, Mr. Craig Roberts, and whatever other host he would have to join him in this privileged opportunity of exercising our First Amendment rights of freedom of speech in order to let the world know how we feel, what we think, what we believe, and to engage you as well in the same thing. And so, again, I want to welcome, just glad to be glad to be alive today. Super thankful for um, God's goodness in my life. You know, I've been doing Monday, the Monday edition of Lifeline for some time now. You know, I like to say about 12 years, but it's probably longer. Utterly amazed that the opportunity is given Uh, I've just been so blessed by being a part of it, enlarged by you, enlarged by the call to engage uh, the the American citizens, Californians, et cetera, people around the nation and people who listen on our um, live stream as well and podcasts. However, you guys uh, find us. It's been a joy to hang out with you, and I hope that that this will continue into 2021, because, you know, we just don't know. We just don't know. So much is in front of us and so much um, is unknown in terms of just the way our world is going and the kind of hijacking of uh, events that have transpired since the election. Of course, you know, it's been going on much, much, much longer than that from the beginning of the COVID virus uh, scandal, uh, epidemic, pandemic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we have been dealing with a kind of Orwellian, uh, universal imposition of government, media, narratives, uh, all kinds of strange, bizarre, tactical, strategic. Uh, influences have been, uh, you know, sort of pummeling the, the the mind and the hearts of, 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 of people around the world, and including Americans as well. And it makes you wonder, you know, will we get through this? A lot of people say, yeah. Uh, the question will be, can we get through this? Will we get through this and return to what we think is normalcy? And I'm not so sure that's the case. But I'll tell you what, uh, I, I'm thinking about Thursday. Uh, where we traditionally celebrate that wonderful, excellent time of uh, gathering together as a 
as as families and enjoying each other's company and, and uh, dialoguing, playing with the grandkids, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. As I said on Sunday, if you guys are following us in the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ, I'm pressing into the text, dealing with its relevance to where we are today and in, term, uh, in terms of its uh, eschatological hopefulness for the, for the people of God. And I opened up my uh, text uh, making this assertion, which is going to be kind of the opening monologue of our discourse today. I said, I'm looking forward to spending Thanksgiving with a family, a group of people who I know for sure will not be wearing masks, will not be engaging in social distancing, will not be concerned, if you will, about the vulnerable um, or the at risk. Just I'll be having Thanksgiving with a group of people who just don't really care about the very policies that they themselves have implemented in order to lay upon the American people, particularly Californians, these oppressive mandates that really make absolutely no sense. I'll be hanging out with Gavin Newsom. And of course, the congregation got it. Um, Matthew 23, the word of God makes it very clear as our Lord dealt with the very same kind of elitist rulers, the same type of despotic rulers, let's, let's say overly privileged rulers. They were called the Pharisees and they were called the scribes. They were the folks that were in the very prominent seats of power and, and prosperity. They were in the pockets of Rome. They were in all the pockets of Rome, and even more scandalous than that, according to Revelation chapter 17, God calls them horrors. Here's what Jesus says. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, and observe it and then do it if it's to be done, if, it, if it's meant to be done. But do not ye after their works. Listen to this. For they say and do not. In other words, they tell you to do something that they are dead set on not doing. As all, almost all of the newspaper articles are clearly for some reason making sure we know exactly what happened a few days ago. The colloquialism in most of the newspapers is the rules for thee, but not for me. The rule is for you, but it's not for us. That is to say, Nancy Pelosi, she got caught without her mask on. Diane Feinstein, she got caught without her mask on. And Gavin Newsom just caught red-handed in the restaurant up near Napa Valley, as you guys know, with friends and family, and the pictures are clear. They were cozy. They were close. They were comfortable. Um, and in some states, they were criminal. You can find it everywhere. I'm not going to revisit the numerous papers highlighting this particular scandal. But what makes them think? And this here is going to be the question that I'm going to lay out to you in our monologue to kind of premise our conversation. What makes them think? It's okay to, to what makes the leaders in our country who are operating with the kind of salivating opportunity that comes with this, uh, this particular anomaly of events, what makes them think it's okay to totally disregard what is being touted in the media, in the news, 
and commercials in their pseudo self-righteous care for the vulnerable, uh, what makes them, makes them think they can tout the very mandate of wearing a mask, as they say, wear a mask and save a life, but they themselves are not wearing a mask and therefore by logical conclusion are killing lives. What makes them believe they can do it? And that's what I want you to think through with me. Why are they so callous and why are they so careless? You know, it's one thing to say, do something and then don't do it. And then do all you can to hide the fact that you're not doing what you're telling other people to do. But it's apparent that these people, they're not putting in all the measures. They're not putting forth all the stops to make sure they're covered. How in the world was Gavin Newsom ever going to think that he could be in a public restaurant with multitudes of people in the same room? They were in a private room, but it was a glass room. How in the world? And then according to the lady that was in the other room, she said they were as loud as a bunch of country bumpkins making all kind of, in fact, they were so loud that the doors had to be shut. But before the doors were shut, the pictures were taken, and they've been spread all over the nation and the world. Now, this is going to be our Socratic inquiry right here for you and me. Remember, our job is to think. This is our Socratic inquiry. Here's what I'm asking. Why are they so callous and careless? Uh, why, why, why are they so inclined to be caught in what they're doing? Uh, here's, the, here's some of the assumptions that I'm, I'm raising. Is it simply because... They have power to say and not do. Why are they doing things and being caught doing things repeatedly, in fact, that they're telling us with, with, with danger of uh, punitive consequences we should not do? Is it simply because they have the power to say and not do? One, that's one question. Is it because they merely get a thrill out of violating their own laws, which is another form of, of, of wicked judges and wicked rulers that, that would describe what a demon is? By the way, they never obey whatever they say. That is diabolical. So I'm asking you, is it simply because they have the power to say and do not? Is it because they get a thrill out of it, a kind of... Uh, sadomasochist thrill out of out of bringing you and me into the bondage that the text here is saying in Matthew chapter 23 uh, verse uh, 3 or might it be because now watch this because they know that this is all a farce a farce of control conditioning the peasants if you will using Marxist uh, rhetoric to obey without justifiable reasons or real science. They know that this is false, and they know that this is a false narrative that fundamentally is taking advantage of a modestly serious virus. Now, let me say that again. They know that they're operating out of a gargantuan, universal, false narrative taking advantage of a modestly serious virus. Anyone looking at the, the evidence, the outcome, the impact of the virus, and they know that the virus is only modestly dangerous, and yet they are using this virus to make major changes, major, major, major changes. Here, here's the question again. Or might it be because they know that this is all a farce? Is it because they simply have the power to say and not do? That's just kind of what is called fascism. Uh, is it because 
they get a thrill out of violating their own laws is a weird thing that elitists are, are very perverse in a lot of ways. They, they, they feel good about telling you what to do, but they feel as though they are exempt from doing it. Thirdly, is it because they know that this is a farce, that this whole thing of, uh, of how bad the pandemic is gives them the right and power to exceed the boundaries of the Constitution, to exceed the boundaries of what is right, to exceed the boundaries of their relationship with the American citizens, because, listen, when they tell you to stay home, they're out without a mask. When they tell you to keep your kids at home, as is the case with Nab and Goosem right now. His kids are in school. His kids are in the best schools. His kids are, are, are getting the education that he and his own family have historically been privileged to do. But you can't. Um, what is that call? Um, how is it that, that leaders can be so uh, draconian in their imposition of rules on you and yet feel as as though they can flaunt them, violate them, set them aside and do whatever they want to do. And by the way, whether you know it or not, the pit is opening up and the stench of the reality of major rebellion on the part of our leaders all the way up into Washington in the swamp is being made manifest to most of us who are able to manage the many resources that are out there and assimilate the data that is set forth. The swamp is opening up and exposing how our leaders are the very elitists that the hypocritical Black Lives Matter and, and, and social justice warriors are uh, basically giving a pass and coming at people on the ground and maybe a, a, a few people here or there and not recognizing that this is a massive cancer on both sides of the aisle. And uh, the man at the point of the conflict is Mr. Donald Trump. All right, look, I've got to take a hard break and pay some bills. When I come back, I'll take your calls. one 367 As for me, in my house, we'll have Thanksgiving. We will not be wearing masks. We will not be engaging in social distancing. We will be loving one another in the free context of constitutional rights and uh, children of the living God. The number is one 367 I think I've got two lines open, one 367 Let's blow this program up today with your questions. I'll be right back. All right, we're back on the Monday edition of Lifetime. The time is 523. If you're out there in traffic, I'm feeling sorry for you. So be careful as you make your way home. In our opening monologue, I basically called attention to the hypocrisy of our leadership. Now, you and I know this is not new. If you've been around for decades, if you've been around for uh, half a century, 50 years plus, you know this is not new. Our politicians get caught all the time uh, with their pants down, uh, literally, for some of our politicians, as you know. But they all get caught uh, doing something or demonstrating a level of hypocrisy that really becomes challenging to the American people. And, and basically what I was asking you was, what is it that gives them the kind of uh, uh, gall to actually openly violate the very rules that they are oppressively laying upon us? Is it merely because they have the power to do it? Is it because they get a thrill out of it in some kind of perverse way? Is it because they know that all of this is a farce of a control conditioning the people 
with a false narrative over uh, a modestly serious virus because they've got more uh, more to do in terms of preparing the the world uh, for a, a a whole nother set of impositions as a normative lifestyle. And I would ask you too, when you come to see these kinds of things, what does it do for you? Do, do you blow it off as nothing, as irrelevant? Um, uh, is it something that you have become used to? And this is the real question. Are you getting comfortable under the new slave conditions? Because that's what these are relative to where you and I were a year ago. These are slave conditions. If you think about it, stay home. You're under curfew. You can't go out. You can't go here. You can't go there. You can't do this. You can't do that. But they do. You and I are basically really going through a major experimentation on massive universal control of the people to see just how many people will do what they say we should do that they don't do in order to determine how much more uh, control they can have over our lives, how much more freedoms they can take from us, from you and from me. And I, look, don't stick your head in the sand and say, we can't do anything about it. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Don't say that yet. Now, it may occur six months from now. It may occur uh, next year. Certainly, according to Biden, Things are going to get worse before they get better. And according to uh, Klaus Schwab and those who are part of the Great Reset, it certainly is going to become a very normative part of the diversity, inclusion, equity agenda by all major businesses around the world when human beings will be forced to join in the policy of equity, even if it means taking over your income and seeing to it that if you don't comply, you don't work. Or if you don't comply, you don't get paid. Or if you don't get comply, you will be taxed. If you don't comply, you will be fined. This is what Joe Biden is already wanting to do with your guns. You guys do know that, right? He wants to put a tax on your guns. Think about this. There is your, your uh, freedom to bear arms, right? One of the early amendments and, and uh, constitutional rights we possess. And what is he already wanting to do? Tax people who don't turn in their guns. Tax them if they don't turn in their guns. And I'm already saying to myself, turn in our guns. Uh, who, who's turning in guns? Who, who, why are we, Joe Biden, why are we turning in guns? What, what, what health uh, initiative, what health mandate uh, requires the American citizens who have a right to bear arms to protect themselves and especially against treasonous governments? What, what right uh, do you have to tax the American citizens who want to keep their guns? See, you guys have to really begin to look at the policies. I remember when Mr. Biden was running, he was saying a lot of things. You know, they were talking about dog whistle terminology that, that Trump was using to uh, speak to his white racist friends, right? You could, uh, you could affirm that, you could deny that, whatever you want to do. But Joe Biden was using all of the talking points of the globalists, for sure, and you can see it in most of his speeches. What was he doing? Letting them know that he would be their man. And if you begin to look at what he's doing in terms of developing his administration, you can see 
that this will be a return to the agenda of globalism that was taking place under George W. Bush. This is why he also congratulated Mr. Biden. That was taking place under uh, the anti-Pope Francis, as many of the conservative archbishops are calling him, and uh, has been taking place for the last 20, 30 years, even more, 40, 50 years. Uh, Ronald Reagan, uh, George uh, Herbert uh, Walker Bush as well. And so here we are now at a point in our world where uh, technologically and in terms of business, they can do it. Why? We've got major, major artificial intelligence that is integrated into most of our system that really can shut down the vast majority of the world. Not everyone, of course, not all people, but a vast majority of us could be adversely affected if they wanted to begin to change the system of economics, change the uh, protocol of human interaction, implement policies with regards to um, to um, air pollution and uh, global warming, and begin to, again, punish citizens who don't comply with the World Health Organization's agenda. This is something I've shared with you a few weeks back. You may not be paying attention to it, you don't have to. California is one of the leading states that implements most of these hyper-liberal policies, and then it begins to track around the nation and then around the world. So uh, if, if, if Gavin Newsom has his way, he will indeed, in uh, 2021, uh, work and collaborate extensively with the Biden administration to begin to impose more taxes, because that's the goal, impose more taxes, and everybody knows that there is an exit, a flight, like there was for the Brits out of the, the Union. There is an exit of uh, middle class and upper class and businesses, uh, a massive exit out of California because they see what's going on uh, in a minute for all of us. You too will be paying a fine to leave California. That's exactly what Gavin Newsom is doing. If you have a home here and you want to sell it and move to another state, they're going to fine you for selling your home and moving to another state. Listen, if you're saying they can't do that, if you're not watching what's going on in the election, like right now, and the moment that they swear Joe Biden in in January, please don't tell me what they can't do. Because if they can do what they're doing right now, they will be able to do whatever they want to come January, particularly if, as the Founding Fathers had stated, if a tyrannical government rises up and the American citizens who are constitutionally, constitutionally uh, right to basically resist them, do not. Goodbye, democracy. Goodbye, freedom. Goodbye, uh, the uh, American experiment. And we're right on the brink of that. Hope your eyes are open to see some of that. It's been coming in my own lifetime for the last 30, 40 years, and I can see it in the rearview mirror right now. The number is one 367 5329 There is something you can do. I'm not going to ever let you think you can't. There is something you can do. But I'm going to take a break, and then when I come back, we'll take your phone calls on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. We are back. The time is 5.37 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We do have one line open if you want to call in 
chime in on what I've been talking about as I've been priming your thoughts around our slavery, return to the plantation. Um, and I'm going to go to line number two and start with Jermaine in Alameda. Jermaine, are you there? Oh, yes, I am. Hey, Jermaine, tell me something before we get to, to your question or comments, um, topic. Uh, in terms of, of work, man, have you been having to travel hither and yon, or are you, are you back in the Bay Area for a minute? Well, I'm back in the Bay Area due to uh, current events where the uh, the out-of-state position I had was, was unexpectedly locked down again, so I'm, I am back. Okay, okay. Got it. You, you guys all right over there? Yeah, we're doing okay. We uh, I, I was blessed in the time I was away, so we're we are good. All right, so now you know if if, if things get a little tight, uh, the holler at a brother, right? Oh, absolutely. That's why I have my sanity. I know who I can count on. Yeah, amen. All right, so yeah, man, wh how you feel? What you thinking about? Well, just um, you know, watching things just kind of take place over a period of time. I I guess I I would say that. You know, this all started with the election that I believe actually started months and months ago when this this uh, pandemic appeared. It kind of presented an opportunity. And as far as uh, I, I actually understand what you're talking about now, I didn't I wasn't aware of the archbishop's letter that you were mentioning a couple of weeks ago when I called. But I decided to read it and it just added a lot of clarity to what I had already been thinking, not not wanting to be a conspiracy theorist. But. I think it's beyond conspiracy at this point to anybody paying attention. Whatever Donald Trump represented, and I do pray for his salvation, but it was kind of clear he was he was in the way of something wicked and clandestine going on for a while now. And he seemed to be aware of it and kind of alluding to it at different times. And I think there was uh, such an uproar from the right side of the aisle at current events going on with our electorate. Elect processes because they called this months ago they called exactly what was going to be happening before it happened yep. and it's uh it's something that's been going on for a while but people seem to have gotten to the result they think they wanted so they're ignoring obvious facts like mass irregularities synchronized you know uh, systems seeming to to reverse you know a, a something that's trending in a certain direction so i think the ultimate goal was kind of a, a test run that was successful to kind of control people and whatever the ultimate goal is after that is, is anyone's guess. Right. That's, that's a very articulate way that you put it for me, of course, as you know, cause you're listening to me, uh, my investigation of this is lengthy and, and substantial relative to looking at multiple news sources, uh, and uh, um, articles that have basically given a history of the pattern of uh, voting, not only here in America, but around the world, particularly as the Trump administration has exposed the uh, names of the uh, uh, computer systems that are being employed, the data is obvious, the trends are clear. And, and, and what's interesting to me, Jermaine, is if one could get all of the people who have come from some of the socialist countries who have had these kinds of uh, election controversies because uh, it's really clear to them how um, how controversial uh, election processes work. And they would look at what's going on here in America and laugh and say, we've been through this before. We know exactly 
how this works. We have seen it in our own country, and we left where we came from to come here, and lo and behold, the same thing is happening here. And in fact, they are using some of the same machines. Yes, I could I could articulate a list of all of the irregularities and all of the uh, the, uh, the the kind of methods that have been used this time around to uh, change the process, to extend the uh, voting dates uh, and things like that, overruling the legislative uh, a block that has the ability to determine the laws per state by the judges, et cetera, et cetera. Be it many reasons for which one should be concerned about what's taking place, because at some point, if 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 this can be done and the American people decide to just stay completely ignorant and oblivious, is three things, ignorant, oblivious, and biased, because what you're talking about is what we've said for the longest. In psychology, there's a thing called a normalcy bias where you spend a lot of energy trying to maintain the notion that everything is okay. Everything is okay. And in order to reinforce that normalcy bias, you just don't do the rigorous work of searching out the allegations that are coming from multiple quarters and hence you are willingly blinded to perhaps uh, substantial evidence that everything is not okay. And I really do think that that is a, uh, a good uh, example of probably what's happening with most of the Americans uh, here, particularly the, the Americans who, whom, whom you said were more inclined to want to see the outcome that they have gotten this time versus, uh, versus the people on the right. Um, so what say you before I let you go? Yeah, um, just to uh, reinforce what you said, a friend of mine who is uh, actually Venezuelan, uh, I just called him to see how he was doing. He's in Arizona, and he's a very machismo-type guy, and he actually had to be, you know, he, I guess he had to have a drink. He was he was just almost in tears over what happened because he said he recognized a lot of what's going on in his own country, and it just made him sick. But the the blessing I got from our conversation is he I kind of tried to give him the gospel and he cut me off said he actually got baptized just a couple of months ago and a lot of current events kind of led to that so I know the Lord's still at work and and I'm comfortable with it I, I just hope that people recognize that sometimes what you think you want is not what you need so we'll, we'll see I I know I and I appreciate that that anecdote because this is what I was just sharing with a friend just a moment ago. Uh, one of the powerful things that our media does is it just does not allow what we are what we have been used to as fair information. There is no real freedom to hear all sides, to hear other opinions. You would think that if you were doing what I shared with us on Sunday, and I'm sure you caught the message. The, rule, the role of the judges, according to Deuteronomy 17 and 19, is to diligently search the matter whenever there's a controversy that rises up. And so you seek as many valid and diverse witnesses in order to make sure that you're not drawing a collusory or a collusion of an answer, but that your answer is really rooted in uh, multiple facets of evidence that all corroborate as an objective scientific uh, a conclusion that would that would uh, pass the merits of, uh, of of diligence. And when you talked about your friend coming from Venezuela, uh, Argentina area, and many of those areas, and they already saw it. That's what I just affirmed to a friend. People outside of America know what's going on. People here in America don't. Listen, man, thanks for the call. Keep your eyes on Christ. It's going to all work out for those who are rooted and grounded in Jesus. 
and keeping their eyes open. I've got to take a hard break. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. The number is one 367 one i will be right back. All right, we are back. The time, 5.50. Let me see here. Let's, uh, oh, by the way, let me say this before we close this hour out with um, our, um, our callers. Um, this is why you want a larger circle of friends. If the, if the scope and parameters of your friendship are so narrow that you only have a couple people in your life and they're all just like you, this limits your capacity for a broader uh, peripheral consciousness. Uh, diversity is important. Having friends of different ethnic groups, having friends of different uh, backgrounds, different social backgrounds, different uh, 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 political backgrounds, different uh, understanding of the world in order for you to be able to have healthy debates, but mostly for you to get outside of the bubble that you live in. And this is bad for black folks. This is bad for white folks. This is bad for all kinds of people. Living in that echo chamber is not good. You cannot know the truth living in the echo chamber. This is exactly what the Jews despised about Jesus. Because what Jesus did was basically broaden his scope of social relations. And uh, they were condemning him for hanging out with sinners and tax collectors and publicans and folks from different ethnic groups and different regions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he didn't start a, a what we would call identity politics religion. He simply had a broader base because he understood the aim and mission of the gospel. Here's what my friend Jermaine did. Happens to be a member of Grace, by the way. He 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 called on his boy who lives outside of America. That gives him a different a, a second lens to interpret what's going on here inside the forest. And then he looked for an opportunity to share the gospel with him. That's what we want to be able to do. Look, let me go to line one and talk with Sean in Redland. Sean, are you there? Hi, Pastor Jesse. I'm here. Hey, what's what's going on, man? How are you? I'm great. What's your thoughts today? Great, great. Um, I was calling a couple thoughts. Um, I wanted to address what you were saying about uh, Governor Newsom, and then there was one other thing I wanted to ask if, in your research, if you've had a chance to look into yet, as far as all this stuff going out going on in the world right now. Um, the the first thing about Gavin Newsom, um, I think. Uh, they do it for all of those reasons that you listed. Um, mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. primarily, uh, and this is in step with what you were preaching on Sunday, uh, where it talks about how when there's unlawful judges, it kind of filters down to the whole society. Um, but they they can't they feel so free to break the law and do all these things, even the the additional unlawful laws that they set before the people because there's no justice exactly they get away with everything so yep. because a sentence isn't executed speedily man's heart grows hard and yep. and these these elite people these politicians literally do not care about the american people at all mm -hmm. uh, for the most part most of them um i can't just say that about everybody but you know most of them 
could care less about us, and, and it's about control. It's like what the Pharisee, what Jesus said about the Pharisees. They, and I'm paraphrasing our Lord, but he says they, they lay all these burdens on, on the backs of all these people, but they won't even lift a finger to do the same thing that they yep. want everybody else to do. And yep. it, it's, it's just pure sinful hypocrisy. And, um, and so for me, like, I won't, I want to honor the governing authorities, but I'm not going to honor an unlawful governor in his unlawful decrees. And that's exact. And, and and the word of and the word of God will give us the uh, right to make that uh, to make that distinction. Because remember what I was saying in the text, uh, as Paul laid out the way the believer is to behave in the Roman Empire. The inference is that uh, authorities should submit to righteousness. That's the only reason they exist. Otherwise, they are pure tools of the de of the devil. And as Peter and James had to say to the rulers of, of the Jews, you know, um, whether whether we obey you or obey God, you, you think about that. As far as we're concerned, we're going to obey God. We're not going to obey you because you don't obey God. And that is going to always be the ultimate controversy and conflict that's taking place in our society, particularly as we are moving more and more into a fundamentally Marxist framework of governmental expression. And there's no doubt about that. Amen. Amen. I was I was reading a verse earlier in Proverbs that says confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a bad tooth or a foot out of joint. And 100%. so you you see, I think that's in I think it's Proverbs twenty four, twenty five. Uh but you can see the folks who are placing their confidence in men and unfaithful men they they have no answer. They 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 can't chew food. They can't walk. They can't go anywhere. Right. Metaphorically speaking, you know they they can't go anywhere, and 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 it's because their 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 confidence is in men and not in Christ, not in God. And in and, fact, the, in fact, to understand that analogy, the the what that analogy is referring to there in Proverbs, is referring to the pain that comes when you trust mm -hmm. the wicked. It's two things. Two things. Two things are painful, and a foot out of joint is painful. Uh, Sean, it implies absolute, uh, absolute burden, absolute grief. Absolute. A, a man who has a foot out of joint is limping. He is, he is debilitated. And then on top of that, to have a toothache too. Solomon's being a little bit, um, uh, you know. Uh, cynical, but he's underscoring that when you put your trust in wicked men who keep saying, I promise you, I promise you, but they have absolutely no intention to do it, you are going to hurt. You are going to suffer. You are going to be impeded. And that that is the sad tragedy about where we are in this hour in which we are. In fact, it's going to get worse in weeks and months to come if God doesn't intervene in a powerful and gracious way. What was going to be your, your question? The, amen. The, the question that it kind of uh, piggybacks on what we were just talking about uh, as far as um, the Biden and Trump election situation, have you looked into uh, the Nasara law? N-E-S-E-R-A? N-A-S? No, N-E-S-A-R-A. No, what, 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 what do you mean by a Nasara law? Nasara is, is basically if Biden gets in or if Hillary would have gotten in, you have 
this globalist agenda where you're going to have this economic reset where it's going to be just more of what we've had, but just way more oppressive, way more just terrible. And but the Nasara is a law that's based on the 14th Amendment that is more that that is more nationalistic, more liberating. And I've been looking into it, and there, there's a lot of validity to it. It's almost like all the financial institutions for a while now, a long time now, have known that this economic reset has been coming either way, no matter what it's going to happen. But sure. the Nastara law is is more of a nationalistic, not globalistic, going back to a gold-backed standard. Going right, back right. To, so, um, I know, so I know about that. Right, so yeah. I know about that. Um, and and we, we could talk at length about that, and we will have to in the future, particularly... Like you said, it's going to be inevitable. That's why I told people to start looking into the Great Reset. It's going to be inevitable. But the the conflict here, uh, Sean, is the conflict of two ideological constructs. And here it is. One is a global view, which is what Biden is operating out of. Mm -hmm. And that's a euphemism for socialism and Marxism. It's a global view that has at the highest levels uh, of, 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 of finances, of business, of the monetary system, all the powers that feel like they can govern this world better if the whole world were under fundamentally a global economic world health uh, system of governance. That is the goal. And they're hoping that they can bring that about fundamentally through a uh, economic reset. That's what they want to do. Everything is right. in place for it, as you are stating. The, uh, the, the national view is exactly what Trump was operating out of. Trump was yeah. operating yeah. out of a national view. He also would have known that our economics has been a force for decades. Trump would have known this. He's a money man. He would have known $23 trillion is a problem. He would have known that uh, not being on the gold standard for many, many decades now is a problem. He would have known that. But his job as president was to actually fulfill the obligations he made to the American people of bringing jobs back, establishing the health of our country, and seeing whether or not there could be an economic boon that would move us in a direction away from the inevitable of a kind of national reset back to the gold standard, uh, so that we could still be a leading nation in the uh, unavoidable crisis of the economic system that's coming. He wanted that. Washington doesn't want that. Washington doesn't want that. The Republicans don't want it. Neither do the Democrats. And this is why they are all marshalling to get him out, because he's not a globalist. He's a nationalist. And if people would start right there on that premise, they would begin to understand what that means. But it wouldn't matter to the people that are even listening to me now if they are also fundamentally globalist. It really wouldn't matter. Listen, thanks for the call. I've got to take a heart break. Let me see who else is on the line. On the other side of the break, I'll deal with with Jorge and then Mike in San Jose and Marlins in Castro Valley, which means I have one line open. And we can continue our conversation on the Monday edition of Lifeline after this break. We'll be right back. 